David A. Price presents... folks welcome to marvel noise episode 424 i'm your host steve raker never the same after my run-in as a youth with the krampus it haunts me to this day with me even during this busy holiday season is andrew the la rabbit and wwx kevin spinning away in the great white north up there is it white yet it it was white it's kind of off and on same down. I thought you were going to ask him if it was great yet. <laughs> we know. I I heard the song. We know it is. Marvel Noise is the semi-monthly podcast. That's twice a month for you DC Noise listeners and hosts, maybe. <laughs> wow, that's and, the holiday spirit, Steve. <laughs> and we remain sponsored by nobody. That's right. This note's for you. We've uh, secured, renewed the contract That's for right. another year. Thanks, as always, to our Wong-like manservant, Derek, and the deliberate noise network he created and maintains on our behalf. But just like Wong, at any time, he may be called upon to open up a can of whoop-ass, so watch your back around that guy. So we've assembled uh, for a round-table-style discussion for this episode while we are busy toiling away at our coolometer rankings for our huh? end of the year episode next time. Hotly contested, Steve. Hotly contested. <laughs> Hotly. There's some controversy in there. It might be the most controversial episode. Although Andrew says we never say anything really controversial. But it is the holiday season. And Having started reading comics in 1974, the Marvel Treasury Edition format was an awesome way for us kids in the 70s to enjoy reprint stories in like a giant, larger-than-life presentation. You had to read these things laying on the floor, right, Andrew? Like propped up on your forearms so you could turn the pages. These were I love that they have comics. instilled... My love today, I think part of what I love about artist editions is they remind me of the old Marvel. Try plop them open and read them just like that. I also got the um, the two Ditko oversized color reprint recently. Oh, the Spider Man, the uh, yeah, yeah, gallery uh, editions. The, uh, no, these are those or even bigger. Real, I don't. It's like uh, Ditko is amazing yeah, or yeah, Spidey yeah, yeah, is oh, amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Ditko is strange. Those two, yeah, just yeah. that whole oversized experience was drilled into me with the oversized i had the two spider-man ones i even had steve i know you don't want to hear this but i even had some dc ones oh i had several from dc i had a bunch of these the hulks the spider-man team up one oh the team up one was so good fantastic four uh they were they were great and and at the new i mean at the newsstand they would be in stacks like on the bottom shelf by the newspapers and bedding sheets and stuff that would be flat. I don't know if all newsstands had that, but I'm close to Saratoga. So we had bedding papers <laughs> down there. Uh, but 
what was cool about him being stacked down there was like that was closer to where I was as a you know four and five year old you know that was like at my level <laughs> down there yeah. the, the the lower the lower shelf well I don't want to sugarcoat it for people these were expensive folks I mean they weren't cheap I didn't get all of them but yeah. I got the ones I could because it was no no joke on the price point on what, these things like a buck you and a quarter something like that yeah buck 50 buck around there yeah yeah which was a lot of money back then now until the treasury format ended up getting used for the original marvel dc crossover stories including wizard of oz they were all pretty much reprints and you just got these giant presentations that were so awesome and the most memorable to me before the crossover era of these treasury editions the most memorable ones were these giant superhero holiday grab bags from christmas there were three of them from christmas 74 75 and 76 when i was a four five and six year old and Steve, can I say a lot of people probably remember the Star Wars one most famously. Oh, sure. But while you say they were reprints, I'm pretty stupid, and I was really stupid as a kid, so I didn't know no. You know, to me, it was just comic book stories. I had no awareness of sort of the past or the future, or whatever. I try to. I wish I remembered at what age I sort of figured out that, like, hey, kind of like with TV, I used to watch reruns and stuff, and have no idea that. You know, the Brady Bunch wasn't shot yesterday or whatever. <laughs> what, what was cool about these was in the, in the inside back cover they would have, and usually in the Treasury Editions in the back, there would be a page that would have the covers of the issues that are reprinted. Uh, and that would always make me go, oh, that's what the original cover looked like. Oh, that's cool. And that's what issue number it was, that kind of thing. So the first one was in 74 and had a cover by John Buscema and John Ramita with Captain America and the Hulk and the Thing and Torch and Spidey and Thor all bursting through a wreath. And then it had the accompanying clever back cover that showed the rear view of that of that happening. And this reprinted five issues. There was a Marvel Team-Up number one, the Have Yourself a Sandman Little Christmas, uh, Daredevil versus Submariner, the Wally Wood one from Daredevil 7, a Black Widow story from Amazing Adventures 5 that was uh, Gene Colan with uh, Bill Everett inks. One of the few guys who can ink Bill Everett. And the Hulk versus the Thing and the Avengers from Fantastic Four 25 and 26. That, of course, was Stan and Jack. Then the next year in 75, we got a Ramita cover with Hulk, Spidey, Doctor Strange, Nick Fury, and Luke Cage decorating a tree. And then on the back cover, those heroes go into... It's like Santa's sending them into action, (laughs) which is kind Mm -hmm. of cool. Sending them into battle, I like to think. (laughs) Go fight for me. I'm Santa. These had five reprints. And they added uh, interlocking... Like, they linked the stories with short little text blurbs like where the indicia was or right above the title page, which I thought was a nice touch of them to kind of keep the narrative going in between the stories. This one had Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 10, which was 
The Night Before Christmas by Stan and Frank Springer and Johnny Craig with the hate monger, and it's actually a pretty intense story. Then there's Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number seven, the Jingle Bombs, one that we covered back when we covered the uh, uh, Heroes for Hire and Power Man and Iron Fist series. There's also Hulk 147, a Trimpy Severin bit, and Doctor Strange 180, using Strange Tales numbering, that has uh, eternity. So that felt just like a big universe-wide, make-you-think-of-the-stars kind of story. And then the Spider-Man story, the funny thing, in the back they show the cover of, and they credit it as coming from Marvel Tales number 19. But as we know, Marvel Tales was itself a Spider-Man reprint book, and Marvel Tales number 19 reprinted the Lee Ditko Amazing Spider-Man 24, which is the one where Spidey's therapist starts making him think that he's mad. Oh. You know, because he's Mysterio. Then the third one from 76 featured a snowy Gil Kane John Romita set of covers with the thing is Santa being pulled in his sled by Thor and the Hulk and Spidey and Iron Man on each flank on the front and Giant Man and the Wasp the Vision, Black Panther, Captain America, and the Silver Surfer in a group shot on the back. Really nice and colorful, I think. This one had the Hulk's encounter with the Silver Surfer from Tales to Astonish 93, and Spidey and the Thing teaming up from Marvel Team-Up number 6, a Daredevil story from Daredevil 86, and even an android can cry from Avengers 58. Andrew, this is where I first read that story. I got it. Can I say something that's a little weird, Steve? Um, so I had a bunch of these and then lost them or whatever. I don't know. And so you come back across them and then you're like, I swear these things shrunk. Because <laughs> when you're a kid, they yes. seem so, they're still huge, but they seem just massive. And then as an adult or older person, you're like, they're big, but they're not like, I could have swore this thing was like half my size or whatever. And, so it would, did make me laugh about how the relative scale of it seemed oh, to yeah. have shifted. I swear they shrunk, Steve. They shrunk. Remember must how have been big, on the shelf. Remember how whatever. big a 19-inch TV seemed? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what I liked about this third one was they expanded on the whole text linking the stories from the previous year and did this like seasonally-themed framing sequence written by Roger Stern with art by George Tuska and Don Perlin that has the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and then eventually the Defenders and even the Champions. And they also use a page of this framing sequence in between each story to like link them, which was really fun, I thought, as a kid. Yeah, I don't know if I would have the human torch uh, carrying snowballs there, but you know. <laughs> But everyone having a big snowball fight, I mean, it just... Because, you know, I had I, I bought these when they came out in 74, 75, and 76, when I was, like I said, when I was 4, 5, and 6. But then I had them, right? So I could enjoy them again when I was, like, 9, 10, and 11. You know, I, uh, but actually not when I was 11, because I lost these in a house fire in 1980. But to, once you had... It, they were just fun things to bust out at the at the holidays, yeah, and the linking sequences work pretty well. Like, especially if you're not the most sophisticated guy in the world, 
they're a very clever just sort of they don't feel forced like those clip shows on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the time? Boop, 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 boop. You know, yeah. like these feel more earned. In it a way. made it one big epic, too. Fun. Good old Marvel treasuries. All right, enough of that. Let's do some roundtable business here. What do you got? What have you been reading, guys? Well, first, before we get to uh, the Thunderbolts uh, part <laughs> of the show. <laughs> I mean, the Thunderbolt segment lives again. Uh, if you're into uh, the, the Thunderbolts at all, or um, don't read this process. Sorry. I mean, I, I I've been it's it's a it's a long thing. So if you can't get through this all in one one listen, I mean, I can understand. Like over two hours of uh, talking Thunderbolts is. I mean, it's not all Thunderbolts, but that's what we're about to do. I, <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm not prepared. On, on YouTube, uh, Declan Shelby, uh, former Thunderbolts artist, uh, has a uh, tape deck talks, as in Declan deck. Um, and episode two is with Jeff Parker. Oh. And since the omnibus just about has come out, I think in a lot of places, if not by now, should be soon. Uh, that Thunderbolts Uncaged omnibus, that's yeah. over a thousand pages that, that collects the run with uh, Kev Walker. Wow. So they talk and talk about Thunderbolts at the time and drawing and all that type of stuff. It's a, it's a fun listen. I'll have to check it out. I really want behind the scenes on Daniel Axum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, they, ha- they also have, like, like Declan showing... Um, like the roughs or the script, stuff like that too, while they're talking. So it's a video. I find mean, it educational too, even though I'm oh. not going to be in, like an artist or thing, something. But you know, they go into a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh yeah, that's what he was doing then, and and that's why you would do this and that. Pretty good. Okay, but this isn't our, the Thunderbolts part, right? That's who you're. Saying? No, no, oh, that oh. that was just the preamble. All right. <laughs> So who's going to get this party started here? You, I thought you, you were. You're putting it on me? Yep. Because you're not going to tell us about the Thunderbolts. So that then you're now you're forced to tell us about something else. Yeah, I don't know if you want to hear about some Daredevil. Yes, I do. Do you? Do You know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And then someone will say, well, don't be that guy. But <laughs> you well, know when you... these titles start out, like with the first issue and you're like, they almost have like that Daredevil challenge going on from like the previous run. Like I don't know if people realize what happened at the at the end of the other Daredevil run where it seemed like he had died. Again? But um he's like a priest now. <laughs> so you get off to this first issue and we're like we're like setting up stuff. And famously, from the previous run, I was just like, I don't know how this was going. And then ultimately, I'm like, yeah, that was like that was a that was a good run and everything. But I didn't know how I felt about it at the beginning. Uh, same story. <laughs> Again, I'm not I'm not quite sure how I feel about this one. But this is um, uh, Saladin uh, Ahmed uh, and Aaron Cooter on uh, art there which i i originally thought was like a bit of an odd choice to pick for daredevil yeah 
because he was like on Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was, I guess I think of him as more like larger than life characters, not like a street level yes, artist. Very clean. Yeah. So I don't really have any complaints there, but it is definitely like a different look to it than we've seen recently. I have not read the... The last series was very short. It was only like 12 issues, maybe, or 14 issues or something. Something like that. And I have them, but haven't read them. I pledge to read them so that I can comment appropriately for the Coolometer episode. But <laughs> um, So that's interesting. And now I'm, now I'm curious to go through that and get to this and check it out. And if everyone's like, oh, man, he just revealed everything. I definitely did not reveal everything. <laughs> like, there's there's, there's quite a bit that was going on in that run and a lot of uh, Daredevil philosophy and, and life stuff. So there's quite a bit going on in that run. Hmm. Was it a regular tree of knowledge, Kevin? <laughs> I don't think anything's a tree of knowledge. I don't know if anything will be a tree of knowledge again because that 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 was something else and we promise <laughs> until we do the next next story if we if we ever do it took us a long time to get to uh get to that story anyways so i do have the second and third issue of this but i haven't read them yet but i you know i, I let them build up took a break after the previous run took my time uh, walked many laps, uh, <laughs> repented and everything, and uh, and came back to this series. And uh, yeah, it's in a weird place. Hmm. And it's it's it's. I guess you, Steve. Do you know about that the angel, the angel that was in the previous series, the golden age angel. <laughs> or like an actual well, you, angel like an angel from heaven comes down and has and he has a visitation like angela um, from spawn yeah <laughs> angela um I, i'm not that's all i'm gonna say but you know daredevil's always being being visited by uh mm. by things but but they're they're oh mm. my god look at that the 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 center page of the issue just ripped right off of the staples. That's a sign from heaven. Wow, that's uh, yeah, I guess um that that's uh that's, that's not near mint anymore. Quick, tuck that I, in I, and sell it. I apologize for for uh for for not giving this issue glowing praise that the comic just ripped itself. It's disintegrating <laughs> in your hands. Yes, exactly. But there's some weird uh, weirdness in this too, with like a similar type of uh, type of thing. So I mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean I want like Bullseye to show up right away or anything. But uh, how about the Jester? I mean, that would have been good too. But it's just like some dude that I don't think I know who he is. Oh, all right. And I don't, I don't think he's like a dude that's going to show up again. But um, I don't know. I guess he's a he's a harbinger of things to come. I'll say. Hmm. All right. I'm curious. Yeah. 
So I'm, you've I'm done your job. I'm see, curious. I'm gonna see how it goes. See see how I feel in a few issues, and and then you'll check in, and then we'll we'll try to figure this whole thing out. <laughs> All right, Andrew. The mic's passed to you. All right. Well, to no one's surprise, I'm going to talk about old people comics. Yay! Oh, Captain uh, I, America. I really uh, <laughs> old man Logan. I almost put this book down, but it was such a crass, like garbagey cash in. I had to buy it. It's the Marvel Superhero Secret Wars <laughs> 40th anniversary tie-in book. <laughs> And I just kind of laugh, but I like Tom DeFalco and Pat Olive, so I was like, "Is that the Battle Olive? World?" Yeah. Ah. So I was like, you know what? It's like, in some ways, it's fitting. People that weren't around don't realize what a crass kind of garbage event Marvel Secret Wars was. It was just this real pointless like toy tie-in, and the toys weren't even particularly good and i'm a guy that's went and gone back and bought them on the second hand market so in some ways having this crass tie-in and what's funny is it's exactly the thing i'm noted for griping about where it's literally a panel in one of the books where they're like hey you missed this story <laughs> we're gonna blow it out into a whole um a whole tale of Whatever this limited series, uh, four issues. One in a four issue. Wow, they say how many issues on it. That is a throwback. But <laughs> so it's right near the end, and it's black suited Spidey going on a separate one. And it really is. What I like is that Olaf decided to kind of homage in a way. It's like a mix of kind of the Secret Wars comic and modern telling. Like it's a bit more of. Uh, the kind of detailed backgrounds and things people come to expect from a book like now, but then they'll also intersperse it with like the pink with lines background that we all remember from the eighties. So I feel like it was an excellent sort of, we know what this is about. We know who this is for. So we're sending it to people. And so with that in mind, I'm enjoying it, but I can't really recommend, like, who is this for? Just people that want to waste money and time? Yes, I guess. Me. <laughs> like, the weird... Uh, like I said, it held in my hand, but it was really DeFalco's name on it that I was like, all right, I just don't see a lot of Tom DeFalco comics on the stands now. I'm sure he's writing loads, but I don't run into them. And I have enjoyed the kind of renaissance where they bring back people. Uh, and like I said, I apologize if you guys are like, uh, Andy, he wrote all of X-Men, Avengers, and Captain America for the last six years or whatever, but I haven't, don't remember seeing his name. So it's Captain America and Torch having this side mission. Like I said, lots of fun in the storytelling and crazy backgrounds and loads of action. My one very minor pet peeve is uh, made the Torch a little bulkier than I like. Mm. I like him when they're playing on the he's the young, impetuous one version. I mean, not 90s bulky. I'm 80s bulky. So <laughs> don't expect like Captain America, Rob Liefeld style, but more bulkier than I like. It was just fun. And I'm like, you know what? If I see the other issues in, I'll probably get them. But for most people, I would say, wait. They do have some interesting characters that weren't in Secret Wars. Do you want me to spoil the surprise villain they added to this? 
or not. Oh, I'm sure you bought it too, though, because Baron Zemo shows up. Not yet, but you know who does show up? Hobgoblin. And I'm like, oh my God, they're actually doing this on the toy. Are they basing this on the toys they made? Because they made, I believe the Hobgoblin was in the Wave 3 that never made it in the United States and got dumped in Europe because the toys were so bad it flopped. Yeah, But I'm thinking Zemo's in it, and Zemo was Wave 2. Yeah, what was weird is it was just, not only were the toys poorly made, but they were also not reflected in the comic books. It just was such a weird Marvel in the eighties was the master of like licensed comic books with, you know, transformers, GI Joe Rob, the comic book was a million times more successful than the toys. So it's just weird that they, their own license, they kind of botched with this really weird, uh, Google the toys. If you haven't seen them. the Wolverine is, has plastic clip ons. <laughs> <laughs> claws that look just hey, that answers terrible. the question whether it's part of his gloves or comes out yeah. of his hands doesn't it <laughs> i mean it's 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 hard to believe even especially because i laughed because uh kenner the, the mattel had this license and put him out and kenner at the same time was putting out the secret wars or the the dc toys the powers it looked powers. so much nicer than these ones. they were pretty like, bad too though yeah, they were well. The action feature was gimmick, but they looked were miles better than also the gimmick everyone likes to make fun of. And they put it in the credits here, the page. All the characters came with lenticular shields. Yeah, even though clearly, like Spider Man doesn't. And they also gave them all weird blasters. It's just a, a real stupid. Looks like a bottom shelf effort or whatever went into the line. But uh, it's fun if you're of that mindset. I, like I said, I don't really know who's this for other than people who want to indulge in this 40th anniversary thing you know, with a weird tie-in. And, and thinking back of the original Secret Wars and saying that uh, you know the shines off of the memory a little bit uh, of what the event was, you know, that wasn't Zek's best work. That didn't look as good as Zek's Captain America stuff did either. I mean, he... Was a it was a real rush job on on yes, some of his. I understand the pressure was work, on, and and, and he wasn't even able to finish it with Leighton, you know, filling in yeah. for issues and stuff as well. So there was that aspect of it, and I gotta tell you that if it wasn't for the them using the device story device that I usually don't like, like I don't like when they do now, it was the thing where Secret Wars number one started and the next issues monthly issues picked up and they were they came back from the secret wars and and they were changed there were things that were different and you wanted to see how how they made them different so for this stupid toy tie-in that didn't even have the artist's best work and was written by the editor-in-chief with pretty (laughs) poor dialogue i'll just say um they made it matter in the comics Right, they tied it directly. Spider Man got a new suit. She Hulk joined the FF. Ben stayed on. Yeah, you know there was a lot that happened. Um, Kitty didn't like Colossus anymore. Yeah, it was a a big status quo change. Also, in our defense, Steve, we hadn't seen the same played out storytelling tricks a thousand times. We'd only seen it like a hundred times or whatever. So in some ways, it's a bit like. 
fool me once, shame on you type of thing. And now, obviously, that we've seen this wheeze done about a billion times, it's not quite the same. But I bought it. Look, I fully, I love those. To- I was a sucker. The black-suited Spider-Man blew my mind. I We hadn't seen a significant redesign. I mean, that's the other thing for more modern readers. Uh, they, you know... Not that they were strict on model sheets or something, but they kept characters fairly consistent. I mean, sometimes you had a particular artist that was uh, very stylized or something, but it wasn't like now where every new team is going to redo everyone's outfit uh, as well. They should. It was just, I think there was more attention to the consistency of the IP and model sheets and stuff like that. Like, again, not so there are exceptions, but it was way more. So it was a real shift because you'd only seen, oh, they got rid of his web wings or this, that, or the other thing. Like this was a real, real change. And it was shocking. That Wolverine figure, the fact that there was a Wolverine action figure, it was the last, I I was, I really had grown out of buying action figures, but I, that Wolverine one was the last one I bought the last action figure I bought. And, and I was like, I'm not even going to, not even going to play with it. Why am I buying it? And I'm buying it because it's a Wolverine action yeah. figure and it's even has the claws. Yeah. You but know? you have to, you have to admit, Steve, those claws were pretty good. Yeah. Big, they were black and clip on. And even the clip on part was black. Yeah, they didn't even try to like make that blend in with his glove or anything. Was, but I, that was, that was, yeah. that was my last figure. I never played with him. But I did take him out of the box. <laughs> that probably wasn't smart. <laughs> yeah, so I liked, I, and I have gone back and bought some of these Secret Wars scary for the nostalgia and everything. But I can't, like I said, it's a weird, a weird thing to put out. I guess you got to capitalize on this 40th anniversary thing. I mean, and, Doom uh, has some big moments that kind of but, that series. Yeah. Like I said, I, I like seeing Olaf. I like seeing Tom DeFalco. It's fun. Weren't we recently talking about the M2 universe, too? Because I was like, oh, what happened with that? Didn't, wasn't DeFalco one of the architects of that thing or the, M3? The thing. Yeah, he yeah. That was his whole baby. I really like that thing, too. So wasn't, it's nice. Wasn't DeFalco, Olaf, the Untold Tales of Spider-Man team? Oh, no, that was music. Never mind. Yeah. So okay. I was like, this is just fun. It's an old person comic about an old person thing that was a crass tie-in that is a crass. Like, all the levels, all the meta commentary on this. At the end, it's still solid, fun, action-packed, check your brain at the door. And maybe they'll have some kind of weird meta tie-in at the end or whatever. But right now, I'm just enjoying the the corniness of it all. And I had to laugh. And sometimes you just got to buy weird stuff right guys like stuff that makes no sense to buy and will instantly the second i bought it it lost almost all its value (laughs) (laughs) so i made a long overdue trip from my neck of the woods uh to uh, jim whiting's house uh a friend of the show and uh, to his neck of the woods with two cities in between us and uh, he invited me up to his sanctum, sanctorum, owl's nest. And uh, he uh, proudly was displaying on his wall. Things had changed since the last time I had been there. He had now put up a bunch of the Marvel 
Blacklight posters uh, that came out, I think, last uh, earlier in the year. Uh, and this set of recreated Blacklight posters from the early 70s, I think, um, really looked great because he had them all lit up with the Blacklight. And uh, he's got his whole house automated with Alexas and series and things. So, you know, he's just like, Alexa, make the, you know, poster lighting or whatever. And boom, you get to see everything all lit up in those psychedelic black light ways. And that really excited me because I had pre-ordered and hadn't received yet the next um, issuance from this uh, initiative of going back and reprinting the, the black light stuff from the early 70s. And that is a black light note card set and there's it's a box set with 24 uh, 9 by 6 cards like open cards that you could like write in and send that kind of thing and envelopes and it's a facsimile recreation of the original set that they did in uh, 71 when Third Eye the company that created the whole black light look and black light posters and stuff did the um two dozen marvel black light posters and these 24 note cards and four jigsaw puzzles but here for the first time we're getting to see these note cards again and i was hoping that it would have the poster images too so i would kind of have them all you know it'd be note card size is good to hold in your hand and shoot the black light on and uh see all the psychedelic colors and stuff but what's really cool is it includes a booklet that uh, has uh, notes by roy thomas and an introduction and explains the history of the whole project and how he and stan were the ones who went through and chose all the images that were going to be used for both the posters and the note cards and in here they have facing pages with the original panel or page that the image was taken from and then on the right side it recolored in this with the black light colors and then the source material and original artists are um uh, credited it's a fantastic tome it is really really cool it just arrived in the my monthly box today so I haven't held this stuff under the my black light flashlight yet, but I'm really looking forward to because they chose some wacky panels that really are more about some crazy aesthetic that they thought would be created with the psychedelic colors and stuff than necessarily getting like a character in a a pinup pose or anything like that. It's it's really cool. I, I, I didn't said, whoa, this is going to be a good one. When was <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, uh, I didn't get those, but I have bought the comic book cover postcard sets yes. that they've done. I really enjoy it. There's something about seeing all the covers just randomly on these little yeah. I, postcard things. Did you get the Star really Wars fun. one too? I got this. I think I got the Star Wars yeah. one. I got the DC. Oops. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got like an Avengers one or something. Yeah. They're just fun to see all the different covers in a big stack and send them out once in a while to people. These are way bigger than I thought though. This nine, nine and a half by six, these big, big cars. Yeah. It's that's like the real car. Really cool. Funny to see how they did all the recolorings and the, uh, cause them being cards, they repurposed the word balloons on several of the pages with different 
dialogue like I miss you or something like that so to make it appropriate for a greeting card or whatever funny stuff but fun for a gift that I got myself <laughs> alright is this the main event yes it is alright well, I have a side story if you guys will indulge me <laughs> I got burned on this thing <laughs> I was in a different part of town and went to a store I hadn't gone to in a long time. Um, I don't want to talk a lot of garbage, but I will for people who can read between the lines. They're one of these big outfits that got a bunch of shops in it. And they're, they like comics and they're big, but they're just not my jam. And I went in there to get just this issue because I was running errands and I'm not normal. And I was going to, I'm like, oh, there's my backup shop, my main shop, my backup, and then the other shops. And I was like, should I go to my back? And I'm like, no, I haven't been to this place in years. Let's go to this place. I go there. None of the regular issues. None. Wow. So Andy has to get taken to the cleaners. The cleaners, boys. Guess how much Andy paid for his copy of Thunderbolts number one? Oh, no. $25. Because oh. you decided to get one of those one in 50 variants. You're like, oh, George Perez is doing a cover oh. again. I'm, I'm I wish like, I gotta get this virgin variant. The I wish Cassidy the one. Version. <laughs> I wish the one in fifties were that cheap. They were way more. I got the one in twenty five for thirteen dollars. Can you believe it? Yeah, Jeff? that makes sense. Thirteen dollars? No, it doesn't make sense. That yeah, makes I, sense. they should be half. Like if the ratio is one in twenty five, it should be about half the price. So, uh, so a five dollar comic book dummy paid twelve ninety nine. But I really, I was like. I didn't want to risk not having it for the show and because I'm like, well, that means that I got to go to one of the other stores and I was already <laughs> running 100 errands. So I'm like, I got no time. And I like uh, uh, Azra. He did the, you know, it's the one with the yellow background and all of them. I mean, and it, oh, again, this thing lost all its street value once I drove <laughs> it off the lot. But I had, to, I had to have it so we'd be here reading it. And it even came with a bag and board, guys. So I guess you can knock 25 cents off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that was my gripe about shop your local comic book store. Don't go to these other local comic book stores. They're all full of hustlers. And I don't mean the magazine. I mean, like, people trying to separate you from your cache. All right, Kevin, give it to us. I mean, the, the series does have a lot of good covers. So, I mean... All right, give us the it roll does. call, Kevin. <laughs> oh, was I supposed to do the roll call? I should have bought the cover for... Uh, it's it's easy now. It's just that. whoever's hanging out with Bucky. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Defenders. Whoever's hanging out with Doctor Strange. Uh, Winter Soldier, he ha- he has a metal arm. Yeah. Um, is White Widow in here? No. Isn't she, she on the cover? No, she's not in here. She yeah. will That's be eventually. <laughs> Chong <laughs> Chi is not in this one either. So. She's she's in a cover that's um, a ski chalet. Apparently, that was a series of variant covers. I, I wasn't aware there was oh, yeah. a whole ski chalet series. Yeah, I saw the J. Scott Campbell one that was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, they had that the one in uh, fifty or whatever of that one on the ski slope. Someone skiing. Yeah, well, but that well, was the have... one that was even more than thirteen dollars or. Whatever. Well, they have the two versions. They have the one that's like minimal logo. And then they have the one without the logo. And I think I re- remarked on this before with the maze, but this one has a 
word search that's for like six oh, years yeah. old in the middle of it. And you're like, well, I think of who's buying like, comics. <laughs> why don't they have like more ads for like different things? I always wonder, I'm like, do, do people like not want to advertise or it's too expensive or like, well, what? What what's the deal with the the advertising market now? Well, right? what they know is they're creating false scarcity in the collectible market. Because in forty years, Kevin, when you go to buy these as expensive back issues, you'll have to make sure that no children filled out the word search and circle oh. it in. Because some because that won't be like a mint copy. You'll be like, yeah, but did the Yavin Four Rebel Base word search get complete? Like the value, it'll be the value stamps of its day. Wow. I mean, I hope not. That's pretty well. There's also a Black Widow with the with the Venom costume cover. I don't know if you saw that one. No, they just had the two covers. But they didn't this have the one, peach, the, the regular Peach cover. They didn't have. Uh, I tell you, why do you think I bought this thirteen dollars <laughs> five dollar comic? Because they I had this one and the forty five dollar one in. I guess you would have went with the peach one if if you were given the choice then. Well, I would have went with the cheap one. How about that? <laughs> the one where where uh, the red skull has been uh, either shot in the head or someone's bashed his head in, and they didn't make it red though. I mean, it's kind of brown. It, it's, it's sort of like like maybe you're you were sending a photocopy to the comics code authority and maybe they would be like oh that's just that's just the ground texture that's not really the blood on the on the that's just the mud right that's, that's not really the red skull's blood on on the ground there he's only but it's a, it's a nice dodson cover anyways he's just taking a rest that's all <laughs> he's tired <laughs> although bucky's gun is um smoking there so smoking Smoking. They wouldn't have allowed that if Joe Casada, no smoking in comics. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, it says on here, the Red Skull must die. And uh, we see some of that business in here. But this is by Andrew's favorite Hollywood creators, though. Yeah, uh, these guys are fun. I only met them a long, long time ago, but they're always nice. The few times I met him, it's been probably a decade. You, you keep on reminding us about the penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> yeah, that was a good book, good comic. I didn't like, uh, as you guys know, their cap run, uh, particularly the the yeah. major threat, the content, the major uh, dynamic that was at play that they were presenting, and they managed to continue the story here. But it's not in a way that really um, makes it like like it shows that they aren't so invested in it that that's the only trick they have up their sleeve. Like they reference it and have it show where this fits in with what they've presented before, but it's not reliant on it necessarily. I thought I, I give them credit for not just just continuing the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I figured that's what Kelly and Lanzig were, were doing there. Just... I mean, they kind of had to because many of us bailed after the first issue. So, so I don't if know. They had I made heard it some steep. people were... 
it's like that Spider-Man run. I I heard some people were really digging that Cap run too. So, you know, it's interesting that way. They'll always have their back issues. This yeah. is true. I recently saw that run for for really cheap too. I all I almost went in on it, but I mean maybe if it was cheaper. But yeah, uh, Winter Soldier is going around. Um, Cleaning up some uh, business here, taking names, shooting some people, and uh, I guess coming into your home and uh, talking about justice like lightning. The only reference to the Thunderbolts, right, guys? Yep. I, I think more references than fight bolts and uh, fake bolts at the beginning, but uh, I-, I hope we get more. I don't because think it, so. This is kind I think... of like that, that underground fighting system where you're like, this is called Thunderbolts, but I'm not quite sure why. There's Like, other than the obvious. There's too many characters that are in the Captain America family of characters, yes. though, for them not to run into Baron Zemo sometime soon. <laughs> but it's too much of a... What I like about what I consider fun Thunderbolts realm is the disparate collection of characters particularly a lot of c and d and e listers and here it's all caps people especially in issue one and most of them have had prominent roles in recent media that isn't just comic books and i was like come on man we gotta have some fun where's our who's our boomerang in this one who's our fixer you know we need those uh wait i gotta wiki this guy you know i need a bunch of those dudes in this yeah yeah i guess i never did the finish the lineup did i yeah it's it's cap supporting cast making a team (laughs) and going on adventures i mean it's destroyer but not that destroyer yeah karen carter i love that the red skull gave her great mask i love that the red skull gave her crap about it though because yes. it's like I wanted yes. to say the same same thing too. Like, what do you want a skull for a face? I can arrange that. Trust me, you don't want that. You're, you're your finally face. a young blonde again after you were an old lady, and you want to have a skull face. Like, you don't know what you're asking for. Go on, though. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Um, I don't know if we, do we do we count her as a. Yes. I'm not counting her as a member. Yes, we are. Because he makes a comment about, oh, do I have to dress up in spandex or something? Well, in, she... in bright spandex. So I'm not counting her as a really as she a member. She used to wear spandex, though, back in the Stranko days. I mean, this is true, but I always think those more of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's S.H.I.E.L.D. spandex, not superhero chainmail <laughs> or whatever. I want to see robots in spandex anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I was like, "Oh no, it's it's another robot Dugan situation." They're, Save us! They're they're wiping clean the whole Howlers, that whole generation. They're all no more well, Formula I'm, X or whatever. I'm happy. I was actually happy because I'm like, "Isn't she 900 years old? Like, what are we gonna?" And I'm like, "Oh, she's just a Robo Dugan. Oh, cool." Uh, like for me, that relieved all those questions about. How is she staying young and what's all that do, stuff? Do you, and now we can need you really, have that. Do you yes. really need anything else? This is comics. Like if someone says some infinity yeah. formula or something, do you really need anything else? I mean, well, the other, 
It's the other con- thing I liked Contessa. about it. You should mention that, mention that we're talking about Contessa. Yes, yes, yeah. yes Contessa. The, the thing I liked about it, too, is it also ups the power. Lo- the other thing about these yeah, team books nice. is you need, like, a few powerhouses, and they're all street-level dudes at this point. Like, we need some overpowered robot to have a balance of the yeah, thing. especially if she can, like have some surprises like she it made me think of like an austin powers fembot kind of thing right yeah. like all of a sudden <laughs> shooting so, bullets out of where you don't expect pretty fun. yeah so she can be the one that takes on the heavy duty stuff so to speak i like that balance of you know overpowered underpowered everybody that gives you the the depths of storytelling to really have a lot of crazy stuff happen all right so you got but, yeah. Bucky, sharon sharon carter um and uh contessa maybe yeah and then the, i guess a, a bunch of guys will show up uh next issue too that aren't in this book but you also have um <laughs> or the issue Carter. after or the issue yeah. after that let's not uh, wait, wait, make them who was it kevin the guardian oh yeah or does he does he go by red guardian he has to go by Red Guardian, right? Yes. Aren't people going to get him confused with Alpha Flight otherwise? I don't know, because some of those guys, like, they had their whole Soviet super soldiers thing. And then after that, some of them kind of not changed their names, but... Um, Disassociated themselves with the Soviet yeah, yeah. symbolism. Yeah, but he's going to be like the comic relief guy, right? That's what we're predicting. Yeah, kind of again, looks like mimic the, the bit. Yeah, and the black and the Black Widow movie that kind of, you know, powerful but kind of a little chunky in the middle type of <laughs> silly. Going to make a lot of. I'm going to charge in there head first. I thought that was his role in the thing. Yeah, so they're they're heading off to like Red Skull's castle, and uh, they're going to make some noise and. Uh, Murder some people. Hopefully the Red Skull. For the well, that's their mission, anyways. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, as a reader, you're saying you're not. You know, you want you want it to be justice, like lightning, and for them to slap the cuffs on the Red Skull and the Red Skull to be like, and I would have gotten away with it too. It was yeah, nice. I think we're old enough to have seen the Red Skull die how many times? <laughs> exactly. I can't even keep track of how many times <laughs> well, that guy's been killed, so I'm not too worried about it. But what was cool about it and felt meaningful to me was it wasn't the end of the skull, but it was the end of this um, Luskin version of that the skull. Was, that was weird. So that that happened in the other run, because that was the one of the things I was just like, is that well, what we're doing? I'm like, I guess that's from the well, run. No, he no, he's been he's been the skull since... Brubaker since way back. But he didn't have that face, though. His own face? It was a Red Skull's face. It got turned into the skull? I thought he... I thought it was the skull. Has it been that long since I read that run that I don't remember At some point he got turned into... I thought it was a mask that the Luskin was wearing. I mean, it was the skull's persona inside him. Luskin was dead, but I thought it was still Luskin's body and face. I don't know. You know, I'm going to have to go check now. This is bad. It's been been some time. I I wasn't exactly sure anymore. Well, I thought Steve was not going to like this because uh, I know he doesn't like it when Marvel characters get lightsabers. And they gave... (laughs) Yeah. 
well, the destroyer, aka Sharon Carter. I actually think it's a cool looking weapon. It's some kind of sure. energy bat, she calls it, to distinguish it from a lightsaber. And it's a nice visual treat and lets her be a little bit more powered than we, because we needed her to. Again, it's a mishmash of the same family of characters with a lot of the same powers. So let's get some differentiation in there. Now, I, I thought it was fun. They have this commando special ops vibe about them uh, having like i said having the writers continue their story in some effect with captain america supporting cast is works for me it's just not thunderbolts yeah and if you're gonna wear a mask wouldn't you want to shave off all the facial hair <laughs> like isn't that gonna anyhow i mean they do this the slow walk at the end Amid explosions. I mean, it was enjoyable, but yeah, um, that's super Thunderbolts like. They got to run into Zemo soon. No. And although, what made me uh, on so I have this variant cover that features a few more characters, which I presume at some point will join the team. And so they have U.S. Agent, and obviously I'm behind because last I knew John Walker was in like a wheelchair running a prison somewhere. No. And he is a Thunderbolts adjacent character, which was nice. You didn't read Dark Rain? But what's going to be strange is they have him on the cover with a shield and Guardian slash Red Guardian going to have a shield. So hmm. I I think that could be humorous, I guess. Having yeah. And then they should give Bucky his shield, the shield back. And, yep. they can have and you guys of, stand in front. <laughs> Yeah, a bunch of shield base bits, maybe that they can work in or whatever. But yeah, like you guys, I enjoyed it. Didn't feel that thunderbolty. Also, never really a fan on these team books because this thing's going to run what twelve issues, six issues, four four, issues. whatever, four issues. four issues. We can't get the team together in issue one. Like that part was a little. I'm well, a little I, salty I think on. the the bit is going to be that. The Winter Soldier's going around killing these dudes, and he's just going to pick up heroes along the way. And then I don't even know if... Whenever Sharon duty calls. Or Contessa, yeah, are even going to show up in the second issue. Well, as long as they put Wolverine on the cover of the <laughs> yeah, kidding. or Spider-Man or Batman or whoever they can get to move some units of this thing. But, yeah, I mean, well, that was this intriguing, at least on the cover... We get Shang-Chi, one of the Spider-Women, I don't know which one, and uh, so those are two not necessarily Cap people that I like, and I was like, oh, that'll be fun, maybe we can get some, you know, work some of the angle of Agents of Atlas, although I don't know if based on the movie that's kind of killed Agents of Atlas or not, yeah, that's the thing, and not to be the broken record about, but sometimes the media, the films and TV stuff, I don't know how much of it we're importing and how much we're keeping separate. I I understand mixing it, but the nice thing about keeping it separate is it still becomes a farm for future movies and ideas where when you circle it back around, I feel like it limits how much they can steal from the future in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why you want your comics to do your comic book stuff because yes, if be they're just it. doing the movie stuff then you have no r&d because you just copied each other yep the big budget the who knows what they'll be able to do in movies 20 years from now and have to draw on a story that 
You know what I mean? It, uh, it's, it's for sure. Hey, have you guys read, speaking of all this Cap, have you read the, the new Cap series at all? No. I, nope. It's uh, J. Michael Straczynski uh, writing, coming back to Cap. And uh, the artist is that Punisher artist, uh, Jesus Siaz, who drew Cap in that series um, really well. So kind of made sense for him to uh, jump over here. The first four issues have been out. And it's a really weird concept, guys. There's Asmodee, this uber-powerful eternal demon that um, has to be called forth and was called forth and inhabits and possesses bodies and then leaves them destroyed shells when he jumps bodies to the next one. He's after people who are going to play key roles in history, like are going to be catalysts for a better world. And he kills them and takes them out before they can play the role that they would play to benefit humanity. Real nice now, guy. Captain America is a great character for JMS to do his Superman walkabout stuff. Oh, don't remind <laughs> me. Because Cap's done that before. You know, he became Nomad and all that stuff. So that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, otherwise, what's the, move, he's going to uh... bust out the uh, totem thing? Like, Caps the totem of America, and then we're gonna have the totem of Canada and the totem of Mexico, and well, they're all gonna. You, you, it's. I mean, are you being as clever as you uh, sound? Because you, <laughs> you mean it to be? Because this feels a lot like what he did with Spider-Man, having this Moreland character coming after Spider-Man, who's like unstoppable and undefeatable, and what's what's he gonna do? And and. and as those characters, those villains seemed out of place to be fighting Spider-Man, the, the same here. I mean, Cap's on this guy's list, this demon's list. Um, and Asmodee has jumped to this commando fighter type guy who was a badass in his own right. So um, by issue, at the end of issue three, he, he comes at, after Cap and issue four, they really have their confrontation. And, I mean, it's a tough outing. The threat is super scary and everything. The stakes are super high. But is this a Cap story? It just doesn't feel like like Cap threw his shield to do, like, five ricochets and hit the dude while he was coming up to do a kick. And the dude, like, just stopped the shield with his hand and caught it and didn't even move. And Cap j literally bounced off of him with the guy not even flinching it just seems like such a and this guy's coming after cat it just seems like such a um fight out of his weight class and it's demons i mean and dr strange isn't answering the phone he tried uh, now there's also interdispersed all of these flashback sequences that are eventually gonna have to connect somehow where Maybe Steve Rogers encountered Asmodee as a young man, but I'm getting a lot of real estate each issue focused on pre-cap skinny Steve Rogers, like in the, on the streets of New York, we're doing his thing, and I really don't care about any of that. Um, 
But the other stuff is like intriguing. It, it's it's uh, it's horrific what this guy does, this Asmodee demon. But this uh, this isn't a job for Cap. Man, if they go back to when Cap was a little kid, they have to for a fill-in artist get J.R.J.R. to do Cap. As oh a God! Why? I can't tell if his face is bruised <laughs> or if it's just drawn Why? badly. No one does children faces. like he does. Yeah. And bruised faces. That segment with him and the kid in the yeah. Dimension Z. Yeah, <laughs> giant head. Oh, my God. All right, Andrew, what have you been reading? Uh, Marv Wolfman. Uh, what if Dark, the Tomb of Dracula? Uh, this one is a what if story that is not as dark as it should be. Darn it. I mean, not tonally. You know, what ifs always end. They either end with a happy ending or some really grim one. And this one's generally happy, but it's uh, David Cutler and a bunch of inkers. Scott Hanna, David Cutler, Victor Olazaba, and Livesay. And three colorists as well. So I don't really... It's a what if the legendary Dracula transformed Blade, the Daywalker, into a full-fledged vampire. And I don't... Part of this is on Andy. Like, you see Tomb of Dracula, the logo. You see Marv Wolfman. What do you do? Gene Colan has passed. Yeah. So what do you do? Like, how do you approach it? And I feel like their approach was kind of neutral, fine. And I don't know. Like, what I wanted them to lean more into, like, a Gene Colan thing. But then it wouldn't have been Gene. I don't know. I feel like... They, and part of this is on me that how, like, how do you address that classic team up when one of the team is gone? And maybe it's like, Andy, get over yourself. Like, don't string this art team with that. But I felt like I don't know what the art team was deciding on doing. And there were a lot of hands in this. And I don't really know, like, was there a rush to get, why did it take like a bunch of inkers and a bunch of colorists. You know what I mean? Is that, I mean, I guess I could have researched it or whatever, but the point is it just felt like the art, I would have preferred them to try something kind of bold or crazy or whatever, because I feel the shadow of it hangs over it, especially invoking the, the uh, logo, you know, that the kind of the Dracula with the red Cape outline and all that. Yeah. And having more of come back. So it repositions the classic Dracula tale with the classic team, like Blade in the green jacket and everything, and Quincy Harker in his, uh, you know, uh, combat wheel, Professor X combat wheelchair and all that. So you know how what ifs work. And like I said, I don't want to give you the ending, it's kind of nice, kind of bittersweet. But for me, I like having Wolfman return to that world, return to these characters. Heck, Blade is his character. Yep. But for me, and I feel like it's me being a jerk about this, but I just, what what are we doing with this? Is this in some ways at times a nod to, I don't know. It left me, that part left me a bit cold. But I like the story well enough. And there's no fault with it. It's not like, I didn't understand what was happening or what went from panel to panel. I just felt like it's really like the coloring is really bright in a lot of scenes. 
and kind of flat. And maybe that was meant to be an homage to the older coloring that didn't have the gradations. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Did either of you guys pick this up? I did, but I haven't read it. Because I'd be curious your take. Because that was, again, it was the Wolfman that drew my eyes to it returning to his property. Yeah. But I I don't, um, yeah. So, question mark? Reference? Question mark? (laughs) Do you buy this? Question mark? Uh, The story is fine. If you want to return to Tomb of Dracula, at least for me, this wasn't it. Um, It was something in between. And maybe I shouldn't have expected that, but I don't know. I feel like when you evoke the, the logos and all that, you're kind of baiting me with that in a way. So while it's partially my fault, it's not like they weren't leaning into it on their end either, you know? Yeah. So Andy griping about not enough fan service in his comic books and his 60 year old comics or whatever, I guess. But on the other hand, um, uh, the, some of the scenes, the night scenes do feel a bit different than the day scenes. So maybe that was their attempt, but a lot of hands in, in the, in the work on it, Steve. So like I said, I'll be curious when you look at it, yeah. we'll chat offline or whatever to see if you're like Sanford, you're crazy. This is a masterpiece. I'll have to add it somewhere. You'll have to see where I add it to my cooler meter. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a full cooler meter. The cooler meter re- will reveal all. <laughs> Survey said. Post it on Facebook. (laughs) Where Andrew will never see it. All right, let's do one more round. You got got a a couple of quick hits or another book or. I don't remember if I talked about something. The Superior Spider Man had that one shot. Did I talk about that? No. I haven't read any of the Superior Spider Man stuff that's the new stuff yet. So give it to me. Like, I have the first issue that I haven't read yet. I was hoping to get it done, but. I didn't, but I read the one shot and I thought that was really good. Like probably the, you know, we talk about the, the up and down of the regular book, but that one shot I thought was really good. So it, it was like Otto being real jerky and everything again, <laughs> like, like a flashback story, but it's setting up like the ongoing book, which I'm not quite sure how they're going to, because Otto is still Otto, right? Right. But it, it seems like he's discovering himself, but it's not like I expect him to like like hit his head on a pipe and then be like, oh, I'm the superior Spider-Man. Like, that'd be weird. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure where that was going. But this was, this was like a flashback tale. Right. And then he's like getting henchmen. Like hiring people, and then he's, he's sort of like, oh, how do I get people to show up in my evil, sinister lair? That's not evil, really. And then, like, it's setting up a villain for, like, the ongoing, or however long that's going to go. Whatever their plan is, right? Like, it replaces the previous Spider-Man title, so I assume it's it's an ongoing or an ongoing concern. But I guess we'll find out. <laughs> but yeah, like... Like Otto's not quite quite smart at all. Like he's trying to solve problems that that other smart people like haven't figured out. But he has like he, he has these henchmen and one of them's particularly bright. And they and they sort of help him out with all this stuff. 
And then he's sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, it seems like he's going to really recognize him. And then he doesn't. And I sort of like that festering thing in the background. And then eventually they become like a supervillain. So that was really like, if I was going to pick up all the all those Spider-Man stories I've read this year, I, I might pick that one shot as like my favorite. I don't, I don't know if it was like nostalgia for like that era. Like I definitely wouldn't have wanted like that main title to continue on forever. But I don't know if you could have had it. The way it was set up, I don't know if you could have had like that series continue and have Peter Parker back. Like I assume there's some way you could have done it, but I feel like it would have compromised the story they were telling at that time. But yeah, Jerky Auto. Well, like sometimes cringe inducing. <laughs> not in like a, a bad, like this is bad storytelling. It's just like he's not a great guy sometimes, but he's being like a hero. But it, it's fascinating to watch. Like it's a disaster that's fascinating. Always. That's that that was a great series. Also I believe in an omnibus now, too. So those books are too big for me. <laughs> yeah, that's what you tell me. I also uh, read a one-shot, uh, and this was a really fun. It was called Deadpool Seven Slaughters. And it's an anthology of seven stories over 69 pages with Deadpool serving as an assassin in each one. So each story is a different mission different creators, different dilemmas, a really fun themed anthology book. Creators involved are among them are Cullen Bunn, Greg Land, Liefeld, Gerardo Sandoval, Gail Simone with David Baldion drawing, Mark Guggenheim with Will Sportatio art, and it's all under a Greg Capullo cover. That's a weird combination of creators. <laughs> yeah, the, the the stories are fun. You know, things like Deadpool teams up with two female assassins to take out a threat in the Morlock tunnels. And the threat has kind of a Monty Python's Holy Grail bit to it. Or Deadpool's hired to bring the head of Spider-Man to someone. And so he goes after Ben Riley, who now goes by the name Chasm or something like that. Yeah, he's like, uh, I guess, supervillain, I guess you could say. And in another one, Deadpool tries to romance a fellow assassin while they're taking down a brood hive. It's just, it's just fun, one after another, little 10-page stories, basically. Good stuff. And my last one is Moon Knight series finally ended, Kevin. And he's finally dead. The last three issues were really exciting and intense the it, written by jed mckay with art by federico sabatini who did 28 and 29 and the regular artist alessandro uh, capuccio with issue 30 these are the last three issues 28 29 and 30 and we've got the black specter back and he's got this super powered thrall sarnak and they've turned the tunnels underneath New York into a big resonator to emit some frequency that's going to drive everybody in New York crazy. 
well, crazier, right? <laughs> and Moon Knight assembles this awesome supporting cast that he's built up during this McKay run. Hunter's Moon, Tigra, Eight Ball, the Soldier, and they storm the Black Spectre's hideout. And number 28 begins with the assault. So this is a three-issue mission, which is, like I said, it's really intense and fun and feels very uh, cinematic in its scope. And while this is happening, they're all there. So Zodiac, who the Spectre freed from prison, uses this opportunity to attack the Midnight Mission. And Moon Knight's vampire assistant, Renee, is there. And Zodiac doesn't know about the house, that it's, you know, a haunted house. Yeah. So that's got some cool sequences, too. A wounded Moon Knight is separated from the rest of the gang and faces off against the Black Spectre in 29. And in issue 30, well, it's the last issue. As you said, Moon Knight dies we've seen in the uh, solicits and stuff but i I, yeah i mean there's gonna be a new series though and it's written by the same writer so you know yeah i don't think that's really spoilery and it and it's also like sort of like saying gene gray is the phoenix oh they died and it's but like when there's things built into the character's history where they've come back before so i mean i'm i'm not gonna Take it as uh oh they're dead and this character is never like it, it's it's more of a yeah, let's see how the story plays out because this is obviously the story. Conchu's in cosmic prison though after that whole Avengers yeah. Jason Aaron thing, so they go out of their way to say that Moon Knight isn't coming back if he dies. Um, what's cool though is <laughs> if they do if they do pull storytelling Steve taking- wise. Staking seriously the, oh, no, this death is going to be for real, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's the bit, though. We've seen character deaths be handled pretty well. Yes. And a book may be maintained if there's a really intriguing supporting cast that you can play off of the hero being gone, right? When Cap was gone, that worked because of the Black Widow and Sharon Carter and Bucky you know what I mean? And in this case, the same deal. That that group that I mentioned before, Moon Knight in that Midnight Mission has created, uh, for lack of a better word, a mission that goes on without him. Like that Midnight Mission could, could be a staple in the Marvel Universe with different people being in control of it for years to come. I, I mean, it, it's such a cool thing to have um it's like another doctor strange sanctum sanctorium kind of a thing somewhere in new york but uh, the the supporting cast is strong enough to go on without moon knight and carry on his mission right now so it'll be interesting this was this was really good really good it's been exciting times the only thing bad thing i could say about it is sometimes i feel like things could be done in less pages Sure. But other than that, like, it's, it's nice to look at. It's a good story. So I'm pretty happy. If you're happy, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> That's good. 
bit of a long delay there, Super <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, do you have anything to finish us off with? Uh, just quickly wanted to say uh, I'm a bit behind, but I finished number three of Silver Surfer, uh, Rebirth Legacy. I think, Steve, you might have mentioned this, or we mentioned issue one or something. I don't know. But for me, I just wanted to say it's been fun because it's uh, Ron Lim and uh, Ron Mars and uh, Don Ho and Romula Fariardo Jr. And I, what I like about it is it feels like it's picking up, but with modern, uh, you know, a bit more modern coloring and some of the modern stuff to it. So I think that's smart. I, I wouldn't have minded like a straight pickup of what they were doing back in 90, whatever that year was, Steve. <laughs> Fill that in in post or whatever. But I also appreciate when they keep the feel but decide they want to keep some of the modern toys as well. So uh, I'm not as into the lore because I dropped out at some point in the 90s. But I did read because I think they started that Silver Server series in the 80s, if memory serves. So Very it lasted a long time back then. And I was only around for the first... 20 or 30 issues or whatever it was, which now would be like four series worth, but it's been fun. And it feels to me like it just kind of picked up. But like I said, with the modern kind of toys, which is a fun way to hopefully make it as accessible and interesting to newer readers as it is to older. And like I said, I probably missed the last 50 issues of the series or however long it ran until it died. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but yeah. Uh, but uh, again, that was just issue three. I think this is what five, six issues or something. something so like that. Yeah, it'll be good. Recommend it if you like that. Also, curious if you haven't read the old stuff. If you read this and are like, yeah, or like, no, this doesn't make any sense. Thanos isn't he dead? You know, and or all the other things. He doesn't look like Josh Brolin or whatever. You're... I would, I would think your reaction would be like, who's this Ron Lim guy? Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah fun fun stuff and like doppelganger characters and um fake captain marvel uh <laughs> well those of us fabio captain marvel <laughs> those of us that are you know old farts who are bitter uh realized they wanted to keep a captain marvel but didn't want to bring the real captain marvel back so and uh surprise appearance at the end of this issue by a Silver Surfer supporting character that has to be in every Silver Surfer big story. I mean, come on. Oh, that character with a bag of chips that has a ring between his toes and is is canopy smoking? You can only hope it's between his toes. No. A character with the weird... with The character who has a belt buckle with the initial of his name on it. That's who <laughs> I'm talking about. Oh, wait, is he back? He's back. I mean... Sadly, they decided to omit the belt with his initial on it in, in this one, but he's back in for this Rebirth Legacy, end of issue three. Just a teaser, final page spoiler, but man, I bet so you that's a nice looking mom. page of original art. <laughs> I can only imagine. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining me for another roundtable, another episode in the can. Everybody head back to your corners and start your copious notes on your coolometer scales so that we can end the year with a good review episode. 
I'm tinkering on mine. <laughs> and I don't know if I want to mention the same thing as last year, but some of the stuff uh, hasn't changed in a whole year. So I'm like, let's see I might if, leave them off the cooler meter. Let's see if Al Ewing stays <laughs> at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the, the funny thing is I was considering that and I was like, I don't know. But then I, and I, 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 the more I, I read that Thor book, I'm like, well, cool meter. It's gonna be the confuso meter. <laughs> All right. Well, I, while it remains good advice overall to not go to the light, we here at Marvel Noise hope that the light comes to you this holiday season. Enough said. Later. <laughs> <laughs>